0: Welcome to Christian Whisper Sonnets for a sonnet nap time treat this Sunday. Kind of a perfect day to, um, it's not even Sunday. Oh my gosh, I'm having a good weekend. It's only Saturday. <laughs> wow. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I slept in very late today and I think I feel like I got enough rest for the whole weekend. So excuse me for <laughs> being on a different planet, but Saturday. We're on Saturday. And so, um, I wanted to um read some poems for my upcoming um book that I have coming out from Maverick Duck Press, which is called Um Atheist Barbie, and it's about a pink kind of atheism that I experienced and wanted to talk about because living in a small town um, in the South, Bible Belt, I don't go around and, you know, I, I hate, I dread when I'm in a situation where I'm asked about my religion or my religious beliefs because I would never just express it to a person like, oh, I'm an atheist, a lot of times if I don't know them well because... There are people here that immediately would connotate, you know, atheism with, like, Satanism or, and, which I'm, you know, whatever your beliefs are, I'm not, you know, making a judgment about it. I'm just saying where I live, that would be a dangerous connotation. And to me, that's not how atheism works for me. I don't, I don't believe in Satan either, you know, I don't believe in any of it. And it's a lot to do with the background of how I was, um, you know, raised in a very puritanical, um, religious fundamentalist background where my abuse was very intermixed with, um, religion and perpetrated by religious people. So I, you know, I'm sure it's just a rejection of both of those things to me. but at the same time, it is how I feel. And I've always felt when I was a young child, even when things were happening to me, and I was still being forced to attend a Mormon church, I did not believe in the Mormon church. And I was very, um, you know, confident about that. And I, I never, I, I never thought, Oh, well, if I just got out of this, and I'd find a religion that I believed in, I, I knew, in my mind, it was very clear, you know, I didn't, this experience we were having on this planet is, was what I believed was it. So that's all that that means, you know, in that to me, I'm not waiting for like heaven in the next round. I'm trying to find it here, you know, and a pink, you know, erotic heaven. (laughs) And that's what this book was about, was kind of like my style of atheism. And, um, showing that, expressing that, you know, for what it is and for what it isn't really, you know, that I think some people, you know, ignorant people, you know, that, you know, just maybe haven't been around a lot of atheists, you know, might, um, (laughs) like, you know, ascribe different, you know, things to it that aren't essential to being an atheist, I mean, basically, an atheist is just a person who doesn't believe, you know, Um, and, but I believe in the goodness of, like, the human spirit, and that, you know, there are a lot of evil people that are evil of their own direction, I believe, not, like, captured by some, you know, demon or something like that, but that, you know, choose to abuse people, and I've been the, you know, subject of that, but I also am resiliently positive, and that's actually been a newer, um, thing I've come to in my life, um, you know, uh, I wasn't always like that, and, you know, but, but the thing about my nature is that I've always been a woman child, and one thing I wrote about, um, I always write about that and use that word, but there's, um, a line in a poem that I wrote that, um, says, you know, the, great thing about being, you know, a woman child is you're always open to learn, you know, you're always, you know, ready, it, you know, you're never um, closed to learning a new way to live. And so I definitely that's something I believe in. And just even in the last year, I would say I've become incredibly more positive and like done actual acts in my life to affect that you know it's not something that happened by accident it was you know I went on medication you know for the first time in my life my parents had never went on medication and um it um they you know needed to and I just made the decision in my life that you know I knew I was having severe depression and doing things that were not positive for me out of depression and I made that choice, you know, and that one of the poems that's in here, I'll read it right now, is about that, about going on medication, and, um, kind of, I'm going to be, like, searching around through this book, um, oh, wait, that's not even my email, oh, I, now I gotta find it again, anyway, I'll keep talking while I'm looking, but, um, it, uh, I, I messed myself all up, okay, but, um, I made that decision because I, for other people too, you know, is that like my parents not treating their depression affected my life greatly. You know, I, I'm not saying that, you know, I, you know, that what happened to me was, you know, completely tied to them not being on medication, but Um, definitely I was exposed to emotional abuse and like uh, aware of like suicide threats all the time, things like that, that I shouldn't have been exposed to. And by the time I was like a teenager, I was completely jaded to, I, I didn't, um, you know, even take seriously anymore because it had happened so many times and I was so manipulated by it that I was angry and I've I've written a poem about that in one of my other books. But this is to medicate or self-medicate in pastels. A dilemma, physician's office, predates a pandemic by just some weeks. Nervous ass crinkles paper. Ghosts' sophist of panic attacks past. Harass what leaks through ducts. Expelled wet truths upon cheeks, tears thin paper, freckled fist, attempting to resist the gravity of pain, its endless strips. Despair you can't restrain before the blonde internist who looks like your Barbie dolls. Is that why you confess it all? Nights you cry yourself to sleep, indignities you push inside as deep as pastel kitchen knives bookshelf of broken Hymen hymns scribbled first at five about sad men who swallow you like pills self-medicating like you never will which is kind of a the last line is a little bit of a fudge because for years when I was younger in my 20s I did actually self-medicate I it wasn't I didn't have a child you know that I was um, you know, exposing to my self-medication and it wasn't as I didn't self-medicate with hurting people the way that happened to me but I mean I self-medicated with drugs you know street drugs and also sex for sure and um so I just got to the point where I realized I hadn't been doing you know a lot of (laughs) that those things you know um when I decided to go ahead and, you know, actually handle this, for me, the correct way, which was to go on medication, and, um, but I still, I just wanted to be free of, you know, even the, um, you know, the deep down, the residual, um, overwhelming pain that I wanted to, I felt I had to medicate in ways, and so it has helped me tremendously. You know, I mean, it's not the only answer and I do a lot of other things too, but the, I was doing things like exercising. I was doing things. Um, you know, my writing helps me a lot, but it's it still before I went on medication, I was still having a lot of problems. And so this, you know, was like the final step for me to help me a lot. And, um, you know, it was it was nice to be able to write about that in this book because, you know, we can make we can make things in our lives better, you know, if we do positive, healthy things and make a heaven here on earth before, you know, we worry about anything else. And that's definitely the focus of my atheism is making a pink, beautiful, aesthetic and erotic life that makes me happy and creative life. So I'm going to read another poem um, from this book, and it's called Suit. In middle school, bullied for body hair, matched hair, eyes, contrasted, fair skin, a shroud I wear everywhere, was so scared to dress out for P.E., was not allowed to shave above the knee, was told no one should look there anyway. Was whispered of so many days in locker rooms by some with blonde peach fuzz, which was what love looked like at this time to me. Florida yellow tan uniformity, was called a friend, which from another place, not of the beach, I breach a plaited, plaited pouting Paul, their boyfriend's chaste animal. They want to taste shadow. To hide inside this golden place. And this poem is about, um, you know, I think, and I think another reason I resisted, um, and for a long time it was kind of funny because I, um, I've i always had dark hair and pale skin, but for a period of my life I dyed my hair blonde um, and it was completely, you know, like, giving in to this um, aesthetic of where I live, which is Florida, and, you know, being, I was always having dark hair and pale skin, you know, people would not assume, they would think I didn't even live here, and I don't have the strongest southern accent for where I live, which is very deep south. I live an hour from Mobile, Alabama, so, you know, people here have incredible accents, a lot of them, so a lot of things about me didn't seem like I was from here, even though I was like more of a native than a lot of the people that would question me, you know, because my parents, my great grandfather came to Pensacola on a ship, a stowaway from Norway. Um, and he kind of hid his whole past, you know, but that was a long time ago. And that was my great grandfather, my, um, uh, the rest of the family didn't even know that story because we only found it out, you know, through looking up records and everything Mormons are really into genealogy so that's when we figured out more of his story but um he you know when he came here like many immigrants you know he did not want um he wanted to fit in you know he did not want to be seen as an immigrant and he did a great job of assimilating um, and he ended up becoming a police officer, you know, um, and had taken the name of people who had adopted him. I mean, he was under age when he came into this country. And so he stayed with a family and they didn't formally adopt him, but he took their last name and he only changed it back to, um, his name, his Norwegian name when he, um, after he got married. So this was all, you know, like this great backstory of my life in a way and culture that nobody knew anything about like he never would speak Norwegian to his children he never talked about it like they were shocked you know when information was presented to them about this I mean they knew he was from somewhere because he had an accent but he would not speak about it and he did the best that he could to you know hide all that which I think is so odd and so you know to me now like i mean you should embrace you know where you're from i think at the time you know it was a lot easier for him coming into this country you know um so many years ago to do what he did and i don't judge him for it but it's it's just like having a whole part story of your past that's like a hidden thing but anyway i've been here you know my family's been here since all that time but there's always something about me, I think that people associated not from, with was not being from here. And so, you know, um, having dark hair and pale skin and having, and then what this poem is about is having like, you know, dark body hair too, because, and I, and being Mormon and being this fundamentalist, um, upbringing, we weren't, encouraged like shave our legs and um definitely not above the knee and uh because who should be looking above the knee you know (laughs) and so you know it made me feel you know I had a lot of body shame you know because you know I felt you know um different than the other girls here who the aesthetic that was popular where I grew up I mean um you know was platinum blonde hair tan as you could be, you know, and I was the complete opposite of that, and so for a little while in my life, in my, um, late 30s, I, I went completely blonde, I kind of find it was weird, like I, in late in life, gave into that, you know, and for years, I was, um, bleaching my hair, and all of that, and only when I got back into poetry did I, um, just like, come back to myself and realize embrace who I was you know so um but the part of that is like when you think of the stereotype uh, that especially where I live a stereotype of an atheist be conflated with a goth and I looked very goth and even when I was younger I knew that I was an atheist but again I would never have said it because in my you know, the way I looked, which was not even in my control, um, played into what, um, people would think of an atheist, like, where I lived, and the ignorant kind of view of it, and I wouldn't have really felt safe, or that I was letting people know, you know, like, I, I would have been looked at as darker than I was, and I always felt like I was looked at as dark because of my, you know, dark hair, and dark body hair, you know, so, anyway, (laughs) um, that's my own, like, story about, you know, how your appearance can kind of define you as other people, and I'm gonna read another poem. (laughs) I feel kind of embarrassed, you know, that whole, I mean, that was one of the hardest poems I ever wrote, because that truly was, like, something I was, like, bullied about, and, um, I, I still to the day, just having talked about it, I'm like, part of me wants to go back and erase that whole thing, you know, that I just said, and just not even talk about it, so thank you guys for being, um, gentle with me. Um, I'm gonna read my poem, Little Witches, which, um, is in this collection too, and it's after a watercolor, a debt repaid by Justin O'Neill, and, um, an artist that I like, and, um, I wrote this about, you know, um, people wanting to, um, like, um, you know, have vengeance for things that happened to them in religious circumstances. And that definitely comes from my own background. And this was kind of, uh, he wrote, he, his painting is of two little witches outside of a burning church. And as a person who was, you know, used in that context you know I could I related to that picture so I wrote the story of these two little witches little witches we will race her sisters there past gargoyles down a swiveled silver stair one who rides its rail body of snake chiseled coil to marble tongue will take the lead then chide the rest, a mob with matches and pockets of each prairie dress. Onyx bonnets, flush of cheeks, midnight mission, her hair in lockets, memori- memori- memorizing, sorry, meek beats, breasts that rush towards revenge inside the place she met her end, the chapel of malevolence, where orphans kneel and cast off smocked rosettes, perversions ritualized as reverence. What's some name? This place is not our concern. It is only evil. Little witches burn. I'm sorry for Um, messing up a little line of that poem. I have a um stutter that comes out at times, and I get nervous, and I, like I said, I, think it was the last poem I read that's put me in a little bit of a nervous state but um when I get nervous I definitely do have a little stammer so thank you but um I'm gonna read one more poem from this um and um it is called Broke Down Motel of Falsified IDs and it's after the movie Neon Demon and um I wrote this poem for Daily Drunk Mag, which I love to write for because they have such a pop culture um, sentiment, but also just Sean, the editor there, is so, um, I just think one of the people that's the most um, encouraging of writers that's in the poetry world right now and does not incredible job for being a one-man show I, I appreciate because I Pink Plastic House is a one-woman show and um, it's no joke I mean you know and I don't do nearly as many things as you know The Daily Junk does and I, I've been fortunate to work there doing anthologies and helping in that regard but I mean, I don't I truly don't know how Sean gets everything done that he does and I'm forever grateful, you know. But I'm um, to have a book coming out there that I'm going to do a podcast on soon. It's a novel, it's going to be in seri- a series of um of little books um that you know, he had just put up a novella contest and I had written this book a long time ago and um but I had written it like a series and anyway, I should, t- I should say this for the next week, but I'll just say he encouraged me to edit it in a completely different way. Um, but f- well, I got inspired by a show too, and I'll talk all about that in a future podcast. I'm getting way distracted from my poem right now. But anyway, I just giving him a shout out because he's just a force of nature. So um, now I'm going to read Broke Down Motel of Falsified IDs after Neon Demon. He is a keeper. Lolitas and keys. Broke-down motel of falsified IDs. Children, professionals, teach to seduce. Small-town pageant princesses, fleeing abuse. Spend their days in body paint, maybe meant for a porn. Then dinners with directors, where a twenty-something scorned before they lay down pretty heads into his care. He does not need a key to penetrate their nightmares, pairs them together with thin common walls. Neighbors, fate reverberates through them all. Runaways make it in the city, long legs their skeleton keys. For some, the last keeper, doe eyes do you see. And anyway, this has been a little introduction to some of the poems from Atheist Barbie. I'm going to be doing another podcast um, for Eat the Storms coming up in the you know, next few weeks, I think, um, that uh, we'll go on. I'll be reading some different poems from it. And you can listen to that too, but you can also visit my webpage at kristengarth.com. There's an Atheist Barbie page, and you can see some things about the book and pre-order a copy, and then it will be available on Maverick Duck's website on the 25th of June, and I'm very so excited because I just feel like this book, you know, sometimes when you do something that makes you nervous, and this book may be very nervous, but... It it feels the most empowering because it's telling a part of yourself you've been needing to speak about for a while but been afraid and conquering fear is such an important thing in life. So thank you for listening today to all of these poems, and I'd appreciate you supporting the book. And um, I apologize for my stammers today and nervousness, but um, I just you know sometimes that's the way it is, and I, I. I took a few weeks off the podcast, um, cause sometimes I get overwhelmed with, you know, um, being raw and being like so open on here and it felt good to come back, you know, even though it's a little scary and I, oh, now I'm hearing the police are coming, you know, <laughs> I've been talking about atheism in the deep south too long. I don't know if you could hear the police sirens, but, um, anyway, I better go, (laughs) so I'm gonna, um, sign off, and everybody, um, find a stuffed animal to love, um, I will, because I also have a kitten now, again, which is a a new development this week, so maybe instead of the stuffed animal, I'll go hug on her, I'm pretty sure I will, but, um, I'll be back soon because I want to talk to you about, um, for sure, about the um, Avalon Hayes mysteries that I was referring to earlier, when I have a focus just on that and not, um, you know, distracting this, this story with it, but um, that will be coming out soon from The Daily Drunk. It's going to be a serial novel, and um, I'm so excited to share it with everyone, it's, you know got a lot of influences that some come from the teenage world and some come from the adult world. I mean, like from um, Pretty Little Liars, Cruel Summer, um, influenced the editing for sure. It was already written by the time that came out, but it gave me the courage of my convictions. And then um, Twin Peaks for sure. There's some a lot of UFO situations and the Avalon Hayes mysteries, but that will all be next week. In the meantime, hug something soft and have a good, lovely weekend from Kristen Whisper Sonnets.